This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're listening to the Mostly Harmless Podcast. Or at least you better be. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Most of the Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, Damon Damien. All right, buddies. Boy, am I excited to bring you this episode. Uh, uh, for me personally, it's been been about a year in the making. Um, I'm sure our guest this week has kind of forgotten about some of these previous requests I put in. But uh, today, today we talked to uh, one of my favorite drummers, uh, Mr. Tim O'Hara. Of course, Tim is from the Lillingtons. Uh, Albuquerque stabbed him back and now uh, Toronto Canada's brutal youth and we talk about how he's you know made all these long distance bands work today buddies Um, I first became aware of Tim through the internet Uh, he's friends with all my friends on Facebook and I found that he has a uh, similar outlook and temperament to myself and then uh, I discovered his now recently deceased Albuquerque band stabbed him back thanks to a video premiere for the track Memorial Day Um, and then I put two and two together and discovered that this was the guy um, who was always in my Facebook friends list uh, who was in the Lillingtons and um, yeah sent off a friend request and said hey man next time you're in Denver let's do an interview well, I, we never connected uh, for this reason or that reason. I think me just not being aggressive enough, me not really knowing him, but that's okay. I met him on my, uh, I believe I met him at the Dillinger 4 reunion show here in Denver on my second birthday. I don't remember it, but it might have happened. It's okay. I just don't know. Uh, but so so Tim recently joined Brutal Youth. It's this fucking kick-ass, um, hardcore punk rock you know it's just a great great band um from toronto canada he recently joined the band he tells us that story and then he was looking to do some press for it um my dear friend miss jessica over at green light radio um sent him my way again we reconnected and uh you know i like doing interviews in person so over and over a couple of beers of course you know i like to get to know somebody i wanted to be the barroom chat you know and plus you know i, I want to make new friends i want to meet i like meeting people i don't know uh, so luck would have it, Tim was in Denver this last weekend to check out the Good Riddance show at the Summit Music Hall, as well as the uh, Pinhead Circus reunion show with the Nobodies here at the High Dive in Denver this last weekend. God damn, it was a shit show. Such a good weekend. Uh, we met up. I met up with Tim and his buddy Pedro and my favorite dive pizza joint here in Denver, the Pie Hole. Uh, t- before we even hit record, man, me and Tim, we talked a lot. Uh, he told me about how his family had run a pizzeria in Wyoming and how he had, uh, he and Luke from Goodridden said once upon a time had an internet band that never really went anywhere. Uh, we chatted, we ate pizza, I turned on the mic, and I, I had a great chat with Tim. Uh, he really knows the ebbs and flows of his own stories and the ups and downs, and uh, he's really good at telling stories, you know. Um, he could he could be some kind of writer or storyteller. I don't know, I don't know, I'm going to quit rambling. This, is already, this episode's already long enough, and here I am. Just just rambling away. Just rambling away, buddies. Just rambling away. Uh, but the best episodes of the show are, of course, when two people are just shooting the shit and connecting and becoming friends on a deeper level. Uh, super thanks to uh, Pedro for being there and being cool and uh, chatting it up. Uh, really nice, cool guy. I never saw Tim uh, later on that night at the show. 
I don't, I don't, I don't, I saw him once. I think we uh, high fived and I didn't see him again. Pinhead Circus and nobody sold out the high dive. You know, it's like 1997 again, even though I wasn't around in 1997. Uh, it was a damn good time. Um, I don't remember much of the later in the evening, but that's typical Damien way. Uh, but before we play a couple tracks from Brutal Youth, um, I've got, I've got a couple announcements to make. Uh, things are going really well around here. And I am proud to announce that Dimmer's newest and soon to be bestest brewery. Ratio Beer Works has stepped up. They are going to now sponsor Mostly Harmless Podcast. Um, I've known Jason and Zach for years. Um, they grew up together in the punk rock scene. Uh, Zach co-owned Grey Flight Records in the 90s. They put out some uh, good, like, solid Chicago emo kind of stuff, even though they're based out of California. Um, they put out uh, The Ghost, which was a great band that um, What's-His-Name and Great Apes was in. Anyway. And then Jason, of course, has worked for AC Golden um, and all these award-winning breweries. He's traveled the world and learned all about beer knowledge. And we'll do some upcoming episodes with them. Um, but they're opening up their brewery um, Valentine's Day, February 14th, uh, 2920 Larimer here in Denver in the Rhino District. I got a chance to check out the space. It was incredible, uh, but not as amazing as the beers. I sampled a lot of their main flagship ale, or one of their main flagship ales, the Hold Steady. Um, so I'm super excited for these guys to be opening up February 14th, Valentine's Day. It's been five years in the making. It's going to be the best new brewery in Denver. I, I, God, I can't wait to see what these guys finally accomplished. Five years in the making. Um, they are really accomplishing a lot with this thing and we're going to team up and do uh, some special stuff who knows maybe a mostly harmless beer in the future maybe like a nice little chili beer we'll, we'll release uh, but so do you want to try ratio beers before their February 14th grand opening well, I, well you're in luck because uh, we're relaunching our mostly harmless live talk shows at Mutiny Information Exchange uh, the killer record copy and comic book store here in Denver uh, not to mention just novels as well um, we did a couple of these in the past uh, I didn't really un- I rethought the the format, came back with an even better idea, and uh, now we're going to do it. It's going to be like a panel talk show in the vein of Graham Norton from the BBC. I'm a huge fan of his talk show. Meets uh, kind of like Doug Loves Movies. We're going to have uh, comedians, artists, and musicians all together, all telling stories around a topic, around a theme, and then we'll play a quick game of trivia, and then the comedian will do a short set followed by a short set from the band. We're going to audio record it all, maybe even videotape it, throw it up on the internet, and guess what? Ratio Beer Works is sponsoring this. Um, so you can come down, Mutiny Information Exchange, Thursday, February 12th at 8 p.m. Uh, we're going to have free beers from Ratio Beer, beer Works. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And uh, special thanks to our long-running sponsor, Death Wish Coffee, for their high-octane, super-caffeinated coffee brews. I couldn't have made it through this last weekend. Definitely couldn't have made it through the day without them. Uh, DeathWishCoffee.com, the darkest, most caffeinated roast you can find. Tell them Mostly Harmless Damien sent you. Um, and then, yeah, Ratio Beer Works, RatioBeerWorks.com, February uh, 14th in Denver. But you can check them out first, February 12th at Mutiny Information Exchange at Mostly Harmless Live. Visit Facebook. Visit uh, MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com for more information. And I think I've rambled on long enough. Uh, if you're still here with me and you haven't hit that skip button yet, buddies, we're going to play a couple tracks from uh, Brutal Youth. Their songs are super short, super sweet, and super awesome. Uh, they got a 7-inch coming out February 24th, Paper and Plastic. We're going to play a track off that called Contrarian. Uh, that 7-inch is, of course, called uh, Bottoming Out. And then we're going to play... 
a track off their full length Stay Honest. This track is called Boulevard St. Laurent. Um, I'm going to quit rambling, folks. Let's listen to some brutal youth. And then let's uh, hang out, eat pizza with uh, Tim O'Hara and uh, get real. Here's some real deep, 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 dark stories, buddies. All right. All right. Let's take a listen. at the uh, pie hole with Tim O'Hare. T- Tim O'Hara? Tim O'Hara. I don't know why in my head it's Tim O'Hare. Probably the airport. Probably. Oh, yeah, good Good point, good point, good point. Um, of what? Linlington's Stabbed in Back, Brutal Youth. What am I forgetting? I think that's pretty much it. I have a couple, I have a, like a little bluegrass jam band back home called uh, Boxcar Revival, but that's just a hobby. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess uh, maybe more like I guess in all honestly, it's the Lillingtons and Brutal Youth. Uh, Stabbed and Back's not doing anything at the moment, so it's just a, those are the, the two main yeah. ones. And then you got your uh, trusty. Do you mind if I call you Sidekick? 
Yeah, I'm the road dog. Yeah, the side the sidekick <laughs> Pedro side here. Kick. Pedro. Yeah. Pedro, uh, why did you tag along this weekend with Tim? Come see some awesome shows and yeah. go on an adventure. Cool, 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 cool. Are you? Uh, you play anything? Yeah, I play guitar. Okay, cool. Just. just are you jam. in any bands in Albuquerque that we can look forward um, to? No, not right no. now. Cool. Uh, so, so before we hit record, we were talking about you guys drove up from Albuquerque to see what Good Riddance last night, and then Pinhead Circus. And nobody's the night, um, and, and that's really cool that you guys do that. You do it all the time. I think we might have met drunkenly at the Dillinger Ford show. Yes, I maybe think, not. I think we did. Yeah, but that was my second birthday party. <laughs> um, I just turned thirty-three a couple days earlier, and uh, I don't remember. I, I remember probably as much as Patty does of that night. Yeah. But uh, you guys, you guys come to town very often, and uh, I don't know. I think that's just super. Not enough people will travel for stuff. They're like, yeah, well. It helps being. Uh, it helps being that I'm from Wyoming, and so you know, Wyoming didn't have the big punk shows come through. We back in the '90s, we we had our heyday where lots of smaller touring bands uh, toured through Casper, Wyoming, like crazy. But if we really wanted to see really big theater shows we would come down to Denver. So a lot of friendships were made early on from those trips. So now living in Albuquerque, you know, I come up here because I do still have a lot of friends at the shows, and uh, it's good to see them. And right now Albuquerque, unfortunately, uh, is for as far as uh, punk rock music is considered, it's it's on a very, uh, it's on a lull right now. And a lot of, a lot of bands, a lot of booking agents are not uh, coming back through. They'll come through the, their first time. They'll have a, a mediocre show, and, and then the the second time around, you you don't see Albuquerque on the uh, yeah. on, on on the tour sheet, and you know we all know why. But you know, uh, coming up here is a lot of fun, and I think Denver has one of the best music scenes that anybody can ask for. I think you guys are very fortunate with the scene that you have here there's so many people involved there's so many people who aren't in bands are doing things they're they're doing they're making zines podcasts radio shows you know there's there's so many things going on that here you know it it makes me a little bit jealous to you know we're in albuquerque and stuff (laughs) i think you guys are very fortunate and you know i hope the scene keeps going on you know punks punk is you know comes and goes in waves and it's not going to be popular forever and you know, so I like that, you know, even through, it's not the, the next big thing anymore. I, I like that there's still packed shows here in yeah. Denver. Yeah. Even like the, you know, you'll get those legacy shows and it's just like, well, Lawrence Arms pops into mind because Lawrence Arms would always come through and they'd bring out maybe 150 people, maybe. Uh, last time they came through, they sold out the summit, which is like 1,200 people, you know, in Granted, they had that seven-year lull where they weren't really doing anything, but some of those legacy bands are just killing it right now. Yeah, I I think it's like, I don't know, it's one of those things where it's yeah. like a nice stew. You, you you know, you put all the ingredients and let it like yeah. let, let it sit there for a while and marinate, and you got something great at the end, I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, it's nice to know that, you know, Denver's a good place to play. I know a lot of bands look forward to doing Denver because, you know, great bands come through and there's a lot of support here. Yeah, there's a lot of good energy here. Yeah, and and it hasn't always been that way, but it's great to watch it now happen. But even when it wasn't happening, it was still, that energy was still there. But, 
Uh, so you mentioned you grew up in Wyoming. Where in Wyoming did you grow up? Uh, I live in a town about 98 miles north of Casper, Wyoming. And I'm using Casper as a reference point because it's the largest city in Wyoming. So I'm about 90 miles north and about 70 miles from Newcastle, Wyoming. And Newcastle, Wyoming is where Cody and Corey, the other two of the Lillingtons when we started, that's where that's where they're from. And that's like on the border of South Dakota, Wyoming. And very small town. I grew up, like my graduating class, I think, was like... Um, like 80, 100 people, something very, very small. The town I grew up in didn't even have any fast food restaurants or anything. Like, I mean, just to compare it in size, you know, we weren't big enough to have any kind of commercialism in town. And it's kind of nice. Yeah. So if you, you know, we'd had to drive anywhere to to, to uh, get anything. So uh, Wyoming being very small and the punk rock community being even smaller and stuff, you know, not a whole lot of musicians there, and so when um, Cody's first band, The Hybrids, broke up, Cody went ahead and started a new band with his cousin, and I caught wind of it, and I was playing in a band with my brother and a couple of friends from high school, and then we really weren't doing anything. My brother just started college, kind of losing interest in doing the whole band thing, so called Cody up, asked him if he needed a drummer, and at first he was like, no, nah, we got it covered. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, I got a drum machine, you know? And I was like, serious? You know, and the thing about you got to know about Cody is Cody likes to fuck with people, and he likes to fuck with people, <laughs> like, past the point of what's appropriate, you know? Where where he actually let me hang up the phone thinking, like, all right, well, that's what they're going to do. They're going to do a drum machine. And then called me back a few minutes later being like, I'm just kidding. Yeah, dude, if you want to <laughs> play drums, that's cool. You know, and, and one of those things I had to get used to that, I've kind of grown into is that we literally take things way too far sometimes and the jokes yeah our jokes and we've learned to keep our jokes just within the Lillington's family and stuff because we know we would upset a whole lot of people if we mess with him the way that we mess with each other and you know but it's pretty cool um, I would drive up there every weekend yeah. 70 miles go up on Friday after after school stay till Sunday drive back going to do it every single weekend. How did you uh, pick up the drums? Um, it's... Okay, so when I was in middle school, we you know, like, there's a lot of diversity now as far as school is considered. You know, I see, like, people who can be, like, the star quarterback of the football team, but also, like, after they get out of practice, they can go, you know, they're skateboarding with their buddies and stuff. Yeah. Wyoming's not like that. Wyoming's, like, behind the times. Like, our little cliques in high school were divided up between, like... You had like the the preps and the jocks and the cowboys, yeah. the nerds, and the poor kids slash hood rats. You know, yeah. And I kind of got cl- cl- kind of like um, globbed into the poor kids hood rat thing, and I'm like, I don't want to be. You know, I don't want to be part of that. You know, I like skateboarding. You know, and I and I like all the music I listen to on the skateboarding videos. So like me and a bunch of other skateboard guys were just like kind of clinging to each other, staying away from that whole like stoner. Smoking out on lunch break, you know, yeah. like that whole that whole scene. And uh, one day at lunch, we're like, let's start let's start a band. <laughs> band, we get chicks with being in a band, you know. So we didn't even know how to play. So I uh, was like, I'll I'll learn I'll play the drums. I really wanted to be the singer, but I knew I was like, well, drummer is still a really cool position, and I kind of have a little barrier 
between me and the and the crowd in case I have stage fright or yeah. whatever, you know. So I went, and we didn't go anywhere with this band. This was just us talking out our ass. But I went into the actual band class and asked the, my sixth grade band teacher, you know, I want to play drums. And it was kind of weird. It was like some bureaucratic bullshit. She was saving all the drum positions for like, for like the the wealthy kids or the uh, like. Every single kid that played the snare drum in my sixth grade band, their parents all owned a uh, all owned a uh, business in town and were like part of the booster club and stuff. This weird. is yeah. My parents called them out on that bullshit. They're like, well, here's so and so from the flower shop. These people over here own the mechanic shop. You know, you every single person you have playing a snare drum owns a business in town, and they're they're giving you giving the middle school donations through the booster club. You know, so uh, they were like, she was just like, well, here's the thing: Tim's too clumsy to play the drums. He'll never ever play the drums. And I heard that, you know, and I was just kind of like in my head, like, well, fuck you. That's not going to happen. I'm going to learn to play the drums. I'm not only going to learn to play the drums. I'm going to learn to play the drums so good. That when I come back to rub that in your face, it's gonna fucking hurt, you know. And I, I when I got older and realized that type of stuff's not important and stuff. She, the music teacher, even came tried to work in on it. I gave an interview for my old uh, for the, the city newspaper one year, and uh, when when Death by Television came out and they were asking about all the touring and stuff like that and. They reached out to her and she tried to hork in, like, try to take credit for me learning the drums. And I was, like, kind of exposed her. I was like, nope. And I, like, just gave them the same story that I'm telling you guys right now. Awesome. Yeah, you don't tell me what I can do or can't do. Yeah. Well, and then there's kids. I, the little old me, if I had heard that, I probably would have been like, oh, okay, I guess I can't play drums. I don't know if that would happen now, but at that age in middle school, I would have been like, well, I guess I'm not playing. Yeah, I just, I think it was a really shitty thing. Like, I think some of the stuff that has been said to me from teachers growing up, I think now, like, I don't, like, the world that we live in, they wouldn't get away, they wouldn't have gotten away with that shit. Yeah. Like, like if if my parents had a uh, an itch to sue schools or something, I think we'd be sitting pretty wealthy right now because <laughs> there's some shit that's been said to me by teachers. And I'm not the most innocent kid. I was a, I wasn't a bad student, but I fucked up quite a bit. I mean, I got in trouble for... You know, got busted for smoking, you know, or having cigarettes in my locker in middle school. Um, got in trouble for f- mixing a condom into my teacher's spaghetti, having him take a bite into it and have the con- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow. So. I like that story. Yeah, um, I mean, I was a little, I was a, a little like hellion, I guess, and yeah. stuff, but I wasn't doing like a whole lot of any real like crime or anything like that. No. Just shenanigans. I, yeah, well, I'll tell you my stories later. I did. I, I was the good kid who would accidentally like steal a thousand dollars worth of uh, bender coupons. That they had these little uh, dollars that you could spend at the uh, school convenience store. I inadvertently <laughs> stole. Well, I mean, I knew I was stealing them, and then I told everybody else in the class where they were hidden, and then everybody else in the class stole them. <laughs> yeah, I got suspended for a week. Anyway, but you know, but I was the quiet kid, so. I just hid in the back of the class, and nobody. Most of the time, people, teachers didn't remember my name. I'm sure, pretty sure. My mom and I, my mom and I have a pretty solid relationship. Her and I have uh, the same type of personality. We're very passionate about things. We get very emotional about things too. Like I can get worked up in a heartbeat, and so there are times like when my, my mom and I can probably not 
nowadays cannot spend more than three days in the same house together before it's like we need to get a break because we we butt heads and stuff but my mom i'm sure gave her a couple gray hairs i remember there in sixth or seventh grade uh shit like being suspended for a week coming back and was only back a half a day getting suspended for another week i was suspended (laughs) for the cigarettes and then coming back and doing the condom thing and getting suspended again and I'm sure she wanted to pull her hair out, you know, and stuff. But um, she was a good mom. She went in there and defended me to, you know, would have defended me to the death. I do remember her getting, you know, pretty tough with, uh, you know, scaring the shit out of the principal and stuff. But yeah, my mom did a lot of that, too, now I think about it. I think every parent does. I think every parent wants to believe that their kid is always right. And even though they may not be right and they know it, they want to defend them, too, because that's their flesh and blood, you know. And... I just know my mom was in there yelling, you know, yelling about something. And the principal, I heard the principal say, well, Mrs. O'Hara, let's not be irrational. And hear my mom say, being irrational, being irrational would mean me coming in with a baseball bat and beating the shit out of you. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, whoa. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Like, I came from a very small um, middle class family. My dad's a coal miner, electrician and a coal miner. Um I, I was raised Mormon. I come from a Mormon background and stuff. I mean, uh, your family still Mormon? Yeah, they are and stuff. <laughs> um, I served a mission and stuff. But you know, the whole backstory is like when Lillington's After Death by Television came out and stuff. We did a lot of touring and I got burned out on it. And I think uh, you know, same with Cody and Corey. Like I was the party. I was the party guy in that band. I was the guy that was more interested in. Uh, going out and uh you know uh trying to find a party yeah you know yeah. like like hanging out and just having fun and those guys were more about the music then they're more about we're really about recording and putting on good shows and, and building you know building the name and so i think by the end of all that touring that we did i think they might have been like a little bit shit full of my antiques you know and, and stuff and so when i told them i needed a break you know they they weren't um you know, there wasn't no animosity or anything and stuff like that. I think, you know, we all needed a break and stuff. And one of the things that my mom said to me growing up and stuff, because I told her how much, you know, I hate going to church. It's not the whole religion thing, but it's just sitting there for an hour pretending to be somewhere where I really don't want to be, you know. And she was just like, do me three things and I'll quit busting your balls the rest of your life. She was like, get your high school diploma, get your Eagle Scout and serve a mission and I'll leave you alone. So I did those three things, and she leaves me alone. In fact, I told her lies, texted her last night, sent her, I told her uh, I was drunk. I sent her a drunk text and stuff. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm sure she doesn't approve. I'm sure she'd be much happier if I would have came home from my mission and would have stuck to being religious and stuff. But uh, I'm religious in my own way. Yeah. Aren't we all? Yeah. And, you know, my, my whole thing is uh, I just try to be a decent human being. Yeah. So... Not try to purposely be a dick to anybody <laughs> that doesn't deserve it. Damn, there's a lot of places to jump off from there. Where do we go from there? Um, so, Lillington's, little town, Wyoming. You guys get out there in the world, you know. Um, what was it like leaving Wyoming and experiencing this world for the first time? Ugh, man, it was, it was... I mean, you were the party guy. Right. It was crazy. I mean, like... It's, it's really funny, like, Jug hit. Like, so when we did Death by Television, 
we recorded with Master Genie at Sonic Iguana. And I remember walking in there and just seeing, like, the Queer CDs and the Screeching Weasel CDs, you know, all these bands that we are listening to on the walls of every, you know, he has, he's, he has these, their CDs framed of every band he's recorded, and we're just like, oh my gosh, this is very surreal. You know, and we're just like, we know we're not the best musicians, but we're going to do what we, we, we do, you know, we, so, and those guys always make, they always go, those guys always put comments about how humble and how wide-eyed, and, uh, like, he sent the record to Ben Weasel and, Ju- and Jughead from Screeching Weasel. They started a new sister label to Lookout Records called Panic Button, and they liked it, and we also had it sent to Fat, and, uh, Mass was kind of like our ambassador for for both of these these labels, and uh, he's talked to Fat Mike, and Fat Mike was like, "Yeah, it's good, but not looking to you know sign anybody right now on stuff." And then so we talked to Ben Weasel and Jenga, and they and they said, "Yeah, we'll do it," and we jumped on it. We we were like, "Let's do it." And I guess like the following day, Fat Mike called back and said, "No, I can't get those songs out of my head. I gotta have it." You know, and he's like, well, they already signed with Panic Button. And he's like, really? In a matter of a day? And he was like, yeah. You know, you, I told him that you were, yeah. you know, so they went with what they had. And so he was like, well, they haven't signed anything. Do you think you can get them? And he was like, well, they're not those type of guys that would do that. They gave their word, and they're going to stick with it. So it is crazy. Like, Jughead, so everybody we've worked with bringing this around, like Jughead and Mass and everybody, they always make comments that we were the wide-eyed little guys from Wyoming that were very naive, the whole music industry, or the un, the, the dark side underbelly of what goes on. We never seen the drugs or anything like that until we started, you know, touring and, you know, and so a lot of, like, weird, like, shit, what's going on over there type thing, but, you know, uh, yeah, the... Jughead immortalized us and when he wrote a book called Box Full of Weasels and then uh, wrote about us and how the older punk rock group always like made comments about us being the little guys that were coming in all timid and you know and very quiet and stuff so a lot of new experiences being a small town from Wyoming and definitely getting a, a lot of culture shoved down our throats and on all those tours it's funny that like just the short time we've known each other like how I can't imagine you as the timid person though I think it but that comes out you know I was a lot quieter back in the day too Um, (laughs) hard to believe yeah I know but um, it's it's, I think it's one of those things I truly believe that traveling helps a person grow immensely and stuff Um, I see my brother and sister their political views, their beliefs, their morals and everything. And those morals and stuff are so, like, in line with the rest of the Wyoming community. Yeah. Very conservative, very, like, Republican. And, and you know, I, I do everything on a, a case-by-case thing. This president, let's hear what he has to say. Yeah. I will form my opinion or my stance. It could be a Democrat. We feel like Democratic or Republican. It's just a pace on, like, what's going to but I feel like traveling and getting to tour and everything has given uh, and being exposed to all these different cultures and stuff has given me a more open mind about things has given me a you know uh, I would say I'm the very liberal one out of my family 
because of, and it, and it has to do with being, not living in Albuquerque, has to do with doing things like living in Honduras for two years on my mission, you know, when I served my Mormon mission, or touring Europe and being exposed to all my friends over, you know, and hanging out with yeah. all that, all those different cultures, or going to San Francisco, New York, you know, going, you know, being exposed to all types of people. And being able to form my own opinions based upon all of that stuff. That experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you got tired of the, the Lillington's life. Took a break. How long was that break? Was that, was that pretty much the end of the band? No, no, it wasn't at the end of the band. It was like one of these things where we just had been touring a lot. We were burned out. Um... I did have the like a reservation. It wasn't a huge one, but we were going to we wrote back channel broadcast. Well, Cody and Corey wrote back channel broadcast, and I rehearsed it with them. I learned the songs, and for whatever reason, at the time, it's a great album. I love playing those songs now. I love playing those songs, but at the time, I wasn't for whatever reason wasn't feeling it. And I, I think part of the, I think part of the reason is um, that. Um, I've, I like I love the whole family aspect about punk rock bowling, like or punk rock bowling uh, of the whole fan of being punk rock community. Sorry, <laughs> have punk rock bowling on my brain. But uh, I, you know, when we were so stoked to be part of Lookout Records, you know, finally being attached to them somehow, you know, through Panic Button, and when we went out to San Francisco to play a show. You know, we were imagining like Chris Applegren or Larry Livermore, you know, or, you know, Molly. Somebody, you know, somebody from Lookout Office is going to come out. Lookout bands are going to come out and hang out with us and be like, hey, you know, welcome, you know, it's cool being on the thing. We had, I had these like, you know, delusions of grandeur, I guess, that these people would be out. And uh, we get to our venue and there was Fat Mike and his wife are there. There's Joey Cape from Lagwagon. All the guys in the swinging utters are there. Um, Mark Tomo, who was the manager for Honest Dons at the time, was there. It was just all these people from Fat Records. It was like, I'm like, wow, wow, I listen to you, I listen to you, I listen, you know. Yeah. And, you know, playing the show, like I'm watching Fat Mike sing the lyrics, sing along with our songs, you know, and I'm just like, very surreal moment. And so I was just like really bummed out. I was like, fuck, look out. Yeah. We're in your fucking town. You just fucking, like, you know, paid Ben Weasel, you know, to do a label. And he signs us. Nobody from Lookout gave a shit. There wasn't nobody there. But the guy who didn't get our record, who lost the record, has him and his whole entire fucking entourage and all these people out to support us. And that said a lot to me about Lookout versus Fat. And to us back in the day, those were two very different roads of punk. You look out punk rockers dressed a certain way, fat punk rockers, you know. You had fat and epitaph kids wearing the big ass baggy skate shorts and you yeah, know. And then you had the the lookout kids wearing their tight five oh one blues with Converse All Stars in their band T shirt. You know, so that was one of my my major things was like, you know, they had already promised Ben the second album and I was kinda of pissed that I felt like I didn't have a say. You know, and it, it really wouldn't matter because it, it's three of us in the band. And yeah. If we're doing a democracy, it still would have been outvoted. So I felt like it was a good time to jump out, 
kind of get do what I want to do is really burnt on it and so I decided all right well there's nothing going on in my life this would be probably a good time to put in those those two years get this mission done so I did I went on my mission went to uh, Honduras was there for two years fucking crazy sorry mom I said fucking crazy talking about my Mormon mission <laughs> but uh, it was uh, it, it was a good time it was a really good a really really good experience I will never ever deny that what I did there was it was life changing for me and um you know, hopefully life-changing for some of the people that I came in contact. And uh, it's, you know, it's one of those deals when I, I was coming home that I realized that, you know, organized religion is not, wasn't for me. So, you know, I just decided when I came home not to step into any kind of, you know, thing. Yeah. Though, I guess, uh, you know, I should say, like, my ex-wife, she, uh, she was one of the eyeliners and uh, she was Catholic her family a hardcore Catholic and she would drag me to church, make me go to church with them every once in a while but I'm just not a religious person and stuff and I get one time go I guess at the world and I want to spend my time playing drums <laughs> <laughs> at your church yeah yeah um so was that how you ended up in Albuquerque yeah so I get home from a mission and I had been friends with and I, I mean, I guess got to kind of dive into this. I really don't like to give eyeliners any kind of credit or the light. I don't care for those girls at all. Um, but I got home. They contacted me and said, we're moving Laura up to the front of the stage to sing. And, uh, you know, we need a touring drummer. So I came, I moved down there and started touring drumming with them. And then I started dating Lisa. And we ended up getting married. I mean, but the thing was, is like, once we got married, then she put the brakes in the pan. I thought we were going to have this awesome, like, husband, you know, wife, musician, touring life dynamic, you know? Like, we were going to be a fucking Partridge family. Well, like, Kepi and Roach once upon a time had. Right. You know, you know and it's, uh, it's those fucking women, you know? Like, <laughs> it's like, I know, like, I know Roach wanted to have a kid, you know? Yeah. And Kepi was a kid, <laughs> you know? I don't know. No, I love I love Kepi and I yeah, love Lutz too and stuff. I just you know I don't know anything, so I'm sorry, Kepi. I'm not I'm not speculating. No, I, I'm just using them as right. an example as like the punk rock like power couple there, right? There for when they when they were exactly. Know? And I thought it was going to be something like that, but we kind of um, the ex-wife when we got married put the brakes on the band. She just wanted she's like we're going to be a family, and but it was like a really really weird change. It was like. All of a sudden, I come home and my punk records and my punk shirts are gone, and they're replaced with, uh, you know, uh, uh, polo shirts, you know, and and I need to start doing things. I need to sell my drums and start doing things that are more geared to someone of my age, like playing golf, and I need to be like worried about like you know, working on you know doing good at my job so I can be promoted, you know, and stuff. A lot of shit kind of were like nails in my coffin at the time that I think I probably would have like. Fuck, man, I think I probably would have offed myself if I had to stay in that relationship because, like, you know, I bought, she had to have uh, this brand new house. And so I bought, we bought this brand new house and refinanced it. And they were telling me I, I would be, by the time it was all paid off, I would have been 68 years old. Jesus. Who the fuck wants to pay on a house until they're 68 years old? You know, like, my mortgage was over a, 
payment was over a thousand dollars a month, and to do that until I was sixty-eight years—that was a pretty big like, no, the, like red, red flag that I didn't want to, you know, along with all this other stuff that I didn't want to be part of this, you know, of whatever they were. So one night, her and I had a huge fight. I'm like, done, out of here. And, uh, and there are no drums at this time. What's that? You're not playing drums at all. Nothing. No. So you have no release for anything. Yeah, there's no release. And it, and it was really, yeah, it was really weird. I tried to do anything. I like dirt bikes. And so I bought myself a dirt bike and got into doing that. But then that also became, a, for whatever reason, a problem to her. Like, yeah. And I don't want to make this a whole, like, bitch session no, 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 about no, her because no, no. I'm totally past that. I have a wonderful gal right now that I'm going to marry. And, you know, that's in the past and stuff. But, you know, I just decided this isn't the life. I wanted it for myself. And I deserve to be happy. She deserved to be happy. So I left that situation so we could continue on to find whatever happiness we're looking for. So. Then he bought a new drum set. Start yeah, so. Drums again. I, yeah, I got my drum set and I uh, started stabbing back. It's an idea I had. I got a friend who was from Wyoming. Um, I talked to him always about this band idea that I wanted to do. I wanted to make it like an old, like, give it the old uh, DC hardcore feel to it. And uh, he moved from uh, Casper to Albuquerque, and we got some people put it together and played uh, for a couple years. Went on a hiatus, um, and then uh, came back and uh, got, like, the singer was kind of wishy-washy. Like, he had some issues, and he went... um, he had left. He went a week. Just yeah. Yeah. So we got a new singer and started going full force with it and stuff. And uh, just recently, like we got home in May, a lot of things were going. Vinny from Paper and Plastic was putting on our full length. We came up here to Denver, recorded with Chris Fogel at Black and Bloom. Uh, a lot of things were going for that band. A lot of people were taking notice. And then come when we got home from May, the singer and guitar player um, just up and quit the band. Uh, they had a buddy who uh, played in another a bigger band as well. He was from Albuquerque, but he got the opportunity to play in a bigger band. And he did that for a couple years, decided he was done with that, moved back to Albuquerque. He went on tour with us as a touring guitar player. And I guess while on the road, those guys discussed that they were going to do their own band. And I think, honestly, it's a matter Albuquerque doesn't have a whole lot of musicians, so I think that they kind of saw it as like, well, he's back, he's got contacts, so we can go do this and do it by our, but yeah. you know, do it how we want to do it because I do run a pretty tight ship. Stabbing back was my band, and I made sure that you know, shit was doing like, I from through all the experience with the Lillingtons and the Eyeliners and things like that. I made I know what people, you know, want. I know what people, you know. I wanted us people to take us seriously. And I want, I mean, we wanted, I wanted their respect, you know. So, and I think these other guys were looking for more, a, more of a relaxed setting, you know, not having so much pressure on them. So, yeah. So they they left the band, and I was pretty uh, pretty upset about that, and uh, was going to uh, had a band to put together with a guy named Colin Shane, the singer of Spanish Gamble. Oh yeah. yeah. He moved from Florida back to New Mexico, and we started jamming and playing, put some songs together, and that looked really hopeful, but then Colin got a life-changing promotion at work, 
and he was uh, he works at a five star uh, restaurant as a sous chef. Head chef had to up and quit, and all of a sudden, um, Colin was thrown into the spotlight as head chef, and not just a head chef, but like now is like becoming a very famous chef locally cool. and very well respected. And it's like one of those things where we're like. Don't fucking waste your time with the band that's not even off the ground, you know? Like, do this. You need to do this, dude. I would be bad if you, like, gave up this to try to put your, you know, bands up. Which brought me into Brutal Youth, you know? So I was talking to Kyle, the bass player, and uh, he he was like, we lost another drummer. And I was like, another? What happened to a K? You know, the first one, the girl. And so... He was like, yeah, she had left a little bit ago. They got another guy, and he obviously, they have his Europe tour booked, and he, and he was like, he can he's he can do that, but he's not going to be able to tour and stuff. And I was like, I'll do it. And I think he blew it off. He was like, he laughed, and I was like, what's so funny? I'm serious. He was like, well, how would that work? He was like, we'd love to have you, but how would that work? And I was like, the same way that I do with the Willingtons. I fucking I'm not I don't need a whole entire band to rehearse yeah. I'm at that point in like my music ability that I actually like to rehearse on my own and then I just do live rehearsals like day before or like with these guys the plan is I rehearse the songs on my own you know and then I'll go if we leave for tour I'm just gonna go and stay with them like a week before yeah. we leave to rehearse I mean and that's stuff. that's what everybody like all, yeah. all the old guys do that all the old guys and <laughs> stuff and I think it's kind of like very like uncharted territory for newer bands or people that haven't yeah. experienced that before but we live in the 21st century we have lots of you know all kinds of things you know I, I said guys I got electric drums I can sit here and play through Skype with you guys if we wanted to you know I was like I can sit here. I have Lori has a very high definition. It has a very like very nice video camera. You know, it's like I do high definition videos, and we can actually edit the song into you know the video, so you can actually hear what I'm playing and stuff. We can do all these like super like technical things for to review if I'm playing the song correctly or whatnot and stuff. I said, but it's not rocket science. It's punk rock. I learned the songs. They might be a smidge different than the last drummer or whatever, but no one else is going to notice, you know, and, uh, you know, I'll just get with you. So Patty called me up and, you know, Patty was like, you know, Tim, I think you're a handsome man. I really want you in this fucking band, <laughs> you know, he was like, he was, and I was like, I want to be in this band, you know, I, uh, they played right before Lillington's at Pooza Fest and it was the first band there are certain bands, and I'm sure this happens with you, Damien, that, like, like during your life you hear a band and it fucking starts like a fire in your oh, stomach. Yeah. And it makes you, like, want to jump up on the couch up and down. And you just want to go, yeah, blah, 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 you know. And, like, a lot of things haven't done that for me, but there were certain records, like, listening to Modern Man by Bad Religion, that did that. That put yeah. that fire in my belly. Um, when uh, Dookie, when Green Day, Dookie came out, this was before they were like super, super blown out popular, you know, like, we got that album, we heard that album before I got, you know, we were, like, my brother was into the all old, early Green Day stuff, so he was hip to it, and that did it, you know, but like, those guys did it for me, they made me feel like I was, I was like, I turned and I was like, had this shitty grin on my face because it just had, had, you know, it, it was like so good like to hear it so 
I went up to him and I was like, "Fuck, I love you guys. Take all my Lillington's merch. Oh, here's your shirt. Here's here's a, here's a record, you know, and stuff." We traded stuff and we stayed in contact. And so, those guys, really really good friends yeah. and stuff, and talked almost on a weekly basis. And so, when Kyle said that they lost the drummer, I was like, "This is, I think, the opportunity I've been waiting yeah. for." And just, I would never, ever in a million years have ever considered for any other band, like, I think, moving across the country for, you know? But it was like something, like, told me, like, when that opportunity presented itself, to jump on it and to, this is, this, this is what you need to do. I mean, fuck, you know, I'm a huge kid Dynamite fan, and everybody, you know, I mean, and I don't know whether, you know, everybody says, I don't care whether you say it's good or or not, you know, I think that's the next generation of Kid Dynamite. You oh, know, yeah. I think, um, and you're, you know, you're dumb if you don't see those <laughs> that, that similarity and stuff. A band that's got so much energy and like bands like, you know, Brittle Youth and Pairs, they're going to resurrect, yeah. like, you know, they're going to bring life into, you know, the punk rock. You know? And what a great name. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd be honest. I wasn't hip to the name, you know, but like after catching the the backstory of it, Elvis, the Elvis Costello oh, yeah. city, I wasn't there to listen to Elvis Costello, so I didn't wasn't, you know, didn't Elvis, know, yeah. Elvis is my favorite, so and so that after hearing, you know, realizing it was came from the Elvis Costello album, then I was like, that is cool, yeah. but just hearing it by itself, I was like. I don't know, maybe this was a band that they had all the way from high school that they just, like, it's like stabbed it back. I fucking hated that name after. I had that name, you know, back when the, the three-word band names were cool, yeah. you know? And, and then after a while, I'm just like, I hate this name. Well, I was, for the longest time, I thought it was stabbed in black. And I'm sure a lot of people did. Yeah. Oops. Everybody makes the everything. It was like stabbed in, we got stabbed in butt, stabbed in black, stabbed in the back everywhere. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Eh. Not the Lillingtons. <laughs> yeah, not the Lillingtons. Yeah. Uh, speaking of not the Lillingtons, you are playing again with them. You guys are playing some shows. Yes. Um, What's it like to be back in that saddle again? You know? It's great, man. It is. It is probably probably next to making love one of my favorite things to do. Um, I get very, we're so, we're tight. Like I said, when I left that band, there was no bad blood. And those dudes wrote me on my mission. Those guys, I remember when I stepped off the plane and I rounded the corner, like, you know, coming into the terminal and stuff, my parents were there and Cody was there, you know. And so we have been, we've been tight as brothers. Like, there's nothing I wouldn't do for those dudes. And, um. Getting it back together was probably like I would 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 lie to say if it wasn't like kind of like a dream yeah. come true again and stuff. I know with with Cody joined Bottle Rocket, you know, I was like, I'll never, I don't think I'll ever get my chance to play on a stage with that guy again, you know. But it was playing Riot Fest or like the first time that we got to sit down for that initial jam yeah. practice, you know. Uh, I think it was a little bit emotional for, I don't know, for me. I don't know, I was just like, kind of like riding a bike, you know, or, or falling back in love with somebody <laughs> that, you know, you're like, this is this feels right, you know. So I love it to death. I love fucking playing with those guys. They will always be, be the, I mean, they're the groomsmen in my wedding. Nice. They weren't the first time around because we just had grown apart, you know, and stuff. But 
not making that same same mistake twice. You know, but those it's like it's fun. We have a good time, and and it's really cool too. Is like. Corey and Cody, again, like how he's telling you, like Wyoming and the whole culture thing, being a, little, like, a lot more conservative and stuff. Those guys were a lot more conservative when we were younger. So I'd be like, oh, fucking partying and stuff. And they'd be like, ah, you know, they'd be kind of looked down on it and stuff, you know. But now that they're older, a little bit wiser, you know, and they're a lot more relaxed, you know, and stuff that it's really nice that we're all adults and we can all enjoy, you know, our our adult activities, you know, without, I don't know, it's just, it's so much more relaxed this time around and stuff. I feel like I can speak freely without ruffling someone's feathers or, you know, it's just, it's a lot of fun. And it should have been that way from the beginning and stuff, you know, and, but. Better late than never. It's bad, exactly. And then it's cool because, like, well, I discovered you guys, uh, the Lillingtons, because JJ had it on the jukebox at the Triple Nickel. And I got really big in the bottle rack, and he's like, "What do you listen to? This? You gotta listen to this band. I like bottle rack. This band's way better." So it gave me the Lillingtons, and that's how I got in that. A lot of people got into the Lillingtons, you know, that way. So now it's like, like, like you said, it, you know, it's slow cooked, and now it's kind of a, you know, that maybe not a huge band, but you guys have some definite following. I'm sure you didn't have back then. Yeah, it's. Um... It's crazy. We do have, like, the diehard fans and stuff. Um, we don't have the younger generation. I think that's more of a model rocket thing, which yeah. is, is totally cool. I, I'll be the first person to say that Ray and Brandon have worked their asses off for where they're at. Yeah. You know, I was friends with those guys before I was ever friends with Cody and stuff. And uh, and just, I grew up with those dudes, too. And I know that those guys wanted it bad. They wanted to do it, you know, through all the bands that they participated in and stuff. They worked really, really, really hard, and so I will never, ever, like, you know, say anything contrary to to their hard work that they've put in and paying their dues, you know, to make that happen. Uh, But I, one of the things that I do see that I do, you know, I do like is that they, they, they capture the new generation, you know. Lillington's is more of like an older generation, the '90s kids and everything like that, and so <laughs> the org core. Yeah. So like the, uh, you know, you'll have you'll have kids come up and be like, "Oh, Lillington's, there's guys just fucking teenage bottle rocket ripoffs," yeah. you know, which is it's, it's funny and stuff, you know. And all of us are friends, so we can all get a good laugh out of everything and stuff. But yeah, I like this, you know. It's pretty cool to see that we still have a pretty hardcore yeah. following. Yeah. And it's still crazy to see shit like, fuck, when we did Riot Fest, we, we, I think we purchased like 300 t-shirts and uh, Toby at Red Scare was like, you guys are ordering too much. You need to order conservatively. And we're like, oh, it's 300. Well, because we're going to do another show at Beat Kitchen, you know. No, you guys are going to have so much left over. And we were scheduled to play Saturday. We got there Friday, scheduled to play Saturday. We actually got moved to Sunday, I think. When we got there Friday, our shirts had already been sold out. We hadn't even played yet. All, three, all <laughs> yeah. 300 of them. They were gone, and we're like, way to go, Toby. Yeah, Thanks. Thanks, dude. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it was. that's one of those things where you're like, wow. And it's crazy. We have people come from. Japan, Australia, Russia. We've, last time we were in Chicago, we had uh, we have fans from Russia that come to watch yeah. us play, and it is so crazy to think that people are coming from Japan and Russia to watch our little band. It's awesome. 
Yeah, it's it's surreal, and I feel very fortunate to be part of it. You know, and like with Brutal Youth, it to me, I love that band. I believe in that band, and it's kind of like being a salesman or, or, or having a product and stuff. I believe in that band that much that it's going to be successful, yeah. that I want to be part of that. But I know with Lillington's, I don't want to like pull pull Cody or pressure Cody to pull away from bottle rocket or make time for the Lillingtons you know he's got a good thing going oh, yeah. you know and if I'm I'm, his, I'm one of his best friends I want the best for him and I think you know I want him to continue on with that you know that's what's you know he has a good thing going and I don't want to be the selfish guy and say no you've got to you know come do this you know but I also want a full time gig I want something to keep me busy you know in my perfect world I have I'm busy full time with Brutal Youth and then when Brutal Youth and Bottle Rocket are not doing stuff we'll do we do our fly-ins with the Lillingtons which what I was doing was stabbing back and him with Bottle Rocket we did that last year and it worked out well stabbing back even got to open up a couple of Lillington shows you know and I don't think those dudes in that my band realize how lucky they were, were I think those dudes take it for granted they don't realize how lucky they were to be part of that to open up those shows. I don't think they realize like there was over 300 bands in New York asking to open up that oh. show. Probably more. <laughs> yeah. Um, were you going to see any Lillington's Denver shows? Any idea? Or Brutal Youth? Because, you know, they're Canadians. Um, you know, um, definitely Brutal Youth. Brutal cool. Youth, I'm going to bring them through here, obviously, yeah. when we come out on tour. And, and I like how hard, like, you, you join the band, the press releases go out, you hit the ground running, you've been hustling, hustling, hustling for it, and that, that really shows, you know, like, I fucking care. shows how uh, important it is to you. It is. Like, I, you know, like, if, I, if it wasn't, like, I wouldn't have joined the band. Yeah. You know, I would have been like, whatever. You have no interest in being the new Mikey Erd playing drums for everybody? No. Yeah. I like Mike. I like Mikey and stuff and I mean that's what he's known for is being like the guy that can do play all these songs and stuff but no I want a good solid band I want to be that band that like will play a small little venue and have it packed and have kids crawling all over each other like ants on sugar you know and like having having that really tight energy I've always wanted to have a band like that you know um but I really believe in the band, and I left. You know, I was doing everything, hit, reaching out to all my contacts, to everybody that I know, saying you need to listen to this band. No, I didn't play on this record, but that doesn't mean shit. That doesn't mean anything. You know, the sound's not going to change that much because I'm just the drummer. You know, like, like you need to check these guys out. You need to get hip to them because you know you're gonna like when this shit pops off. You don't want to be the guy to say, oh, I didn't get a chance. You know. Yeah. But yeah, I think they're very excited, and I don't know. if I'd have to talk to Greg and Kyle and Patty more to see, like, I just know, like, the first week I'd had, like, five interviews set up for Patty, and I, he was like, dude, I wasn't expecting to get, like, a tidal wave of of uh, stuff, you know, but I was like, well, it's going to die down. Don't expect this every single month or anything like this. I just, you know, going, you know, reaching out all avenues to bring the band some, you know, good exposure and stuff, and... I think is uh, Vinny putting it out now? Uh, yeah, Vinny. So pre pre sales are available right now. I believe it comes out February twenty fourth on Paper and Plastic, and it's the EP uh, bottoming out. And uh, they've worked with a bunch of different labels. Gunner Records is releasing the album over in Europe for the European release, and uh, Satan Records is reissuing the Stay Honest LP. 
And so, which is cool because, like, if you if if you if you look at it, like, what standing back, who we were doing the records with, and like Bruno Luth, it's exactly the same people. I belong to this band. Um, Vinny was putting out the uh, standing back full length until I called him and said, "Guys, quit. Don't know if we're gonna go forward. Don't waste your money." You know. So we were we were working paper and plastic. Say ten issued seven inches of ours Gunner Records was putting it out putting a full length out in Europe so so it's good to see that we all run in the same circles and they have like the, the same mindset as far yeah. as like I did as far as labels working with and stuff and I think the the plan is this year is to get into the studio towards the end of the year with me on drums for a full length and we do have a manager we uh, Melody K she does Melody K PR in Canada she does a lot of stuff for the Fat Records bands. Okay. She ran Fat Canada when Fat Canada was a thing. Um, she is our she's our manager, and uh, she's had a meeting with Patty and I, and kind of gave us some direction of like, you know, how we're going to approach the U.S. as far as um, making things happen. You know, and I know for me, it's the bucket list thing of wanting to do a, an album with Fat. You know. Um, I, I still just, haven't made that happen yet. Still not. You know, Mike. Has, well, here's the thing. Mike has offered to Lillington's numerous times offers, and uh, you know, there's the whole we have loyalty to Toby. Toby has reissued well, the old man. stuff. You know, I guess it really just comes down to once we don't even have songs written. You yeah, know, yeah. so it's kind of like why worry about it unless we got something yeah. to actually you know you give them. So kind of come down to it. But I would not be hurt. You know, either way, Lillington's, it's, I'm fine with whatever, who, or whoever we did the record with. But I think Real Youth is the type of band that, you know, we went into a nice studio like the Blasting Room or uh, the Motor Studio up in uh, Woodbridge, uh, Ontario. That, you know, that's where the Flatliners recorded and Dillinger Fours recorded some of their stuff there. Um, with that type of quality recording, I think we could honestly have a really good shot at a very nice, you know, nice. label to set the band up for some really decent touring and a really nice future. So, I don't know. We'll just kind of have to play it by ear and see what the future but, brings. But it's only January. We got the whole year. Well, yeah. I guess tomorrow is February, but whatever. We yeah, we got, we got plenty of time. I know in May, I'm getting married in Vegas. Uh, marrying... Uh, the girl, uh, first girl I dated right after my divorce. <laughs> Actually, uh, I always make the joke that I kind of had to go through hell to find her yeah. and stuff. But um, my wife to be, Lori, she's a very, very sweet girl, very supportive. And when I'm talking to her about this idea of brutal youth, you know, these guys are in Canada. And she knows they're in Canada. She was like, do it. Yeah. She's pushing me towards it. She was like, I, I, I want you to, to do this, you know. So come September, we're... We're packing up and moving to. I don't know if I say should say this too loud because my boss might be listening because I haven't told him I'm moving. But yeah, um, no. But we're we're moving to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to be closer to Brutal Youth. Oh shit! I could, you know, the guys gave me the option. Patty was like, under. I want to make this, you know, very clear. You don't have to do anything for us. If it's us having to come to you, we'll come to you and just tour out of Albuquerque, you know, or whatever, you know, but you don't have to, like, pick up or do anything. And as, as cool as that is, you know, and very accommodating and stuff, I'm a team player, you know, and I, like I said, I believe in that band, and 
I need to be close to them so we can actually like I believe more opportunities would be would come about with me yeah. being closer. So, and then the East Coast is just easier to tour anyway. Well, you know, I was born and raised in Pennsylvania. We didn't move to Wyoming until I was about like six or seven. Yeah. So my grandma, my grandparents, my my cousins, aunts and uncles, they're all from Pennsylvania. I mean in Pittsburgh alone I have like like ten sets of cousins that live there. So at first Lori and I were like, well let's go to Richmond, Virginia. My Lori, she served in the Navy and she was stationed in Norfolk, Virginia, and she lived there for a long time. So she's like, I know Virginia and love it. And I was like, Richmond is awesome because a lot of awesome bands come out of there. You know, we got Strike Anywhere, Smoke or Fire, Avail, uh, Guar, Municipal yeah, Waste, Iron Reagan, all these bands. I was like, so that could be a good place to like, get a lot of exposure for brutal youth. But then that's a 10 hour drive. And then for whatever reason, um, that night we just happened to be going to see uh, that Wilhelm Scream anti-flag tour at Pennywise. Yeah, I think Pennywise is the head in Albuquerque. So we're watching as we're watching an anti-flag, the light bulb went in on my head. Pittsburgh. Family's there. Yeah. So if shit ever like for whatever reason I needed family to lean on, I have family there. Um, we're only five hours from from Toronto, so which is very doable on a Friday for me to go there or them to come down and spend yeah. the weekend and practice. And then uh, the bad, the coolest part is is that Pittsburgh is kind of like the hub place. We're only five hours from Chicago. We're only five hours from yeah. Toronto. Three hours from Cleveland. We're five hours from Philadelphia. Six hours from New York City. You know, so we can honestly spend. Shit. Maybe I should go to Pittsburgh. Like, <laughs> if you think about it, like a band, like like going out, like they could come down and we can play, we can play uh, Chicago on a Saturday night, Cleveland Sunday night, and everybody can be back for work on Monday, and we could do, have all these huge ass cities with big, you know, with nice scenes and stuff that we can, you know, saturate, you know, just at a, a short drive's distance, and so that made a lot of sense for us to be for Lori and I. It's like. That's just going to help the band, like, get, you know, those are important cities to get a following in, and that's just going to help us that we can just drive to, drive to Chicago this week, drive to New York City that we can keep bouncing back and forth that way. Hell yeah, dude. Well, I think I've taken up enough of your time. I mean, what else What do else you want to throw out there before I let you go? I got fucking cotton mouth. Oh. been talking so much. Huh. I am a, I'm a blabber mouth. That's okay. It makes it easy for me. Um, I like blabber mouth. <laughs> Uh, Pedro, you want to give a shout out to anybody? Yeah. You've been quiet over there. Yeah, sorry yeah. we didn't. No, I'm just listening to Tim. Yeah. Did you know all these things? Yeah. Well, yeah. Did you learn anything new today? Mm. No. <laughs> give, a, give a shout out to your kids. Yeah, I'd like to give a shout out to my beautiful wife and my kids. Nice. Yeah. Nice. What a sweetheart, Pedro. <laughs> Pedro's nice. You know, Pedro and I uh, became friends through work. I worked for yeah. Rockstar Energy. As a, as a sales rep for them for five years and Pedro worked for Pepsi and Pedro and I used to I'd have to go and uh, uh, Pepsi distributes in, out in New Mexico Rockstar's products and so I kind of like for a lack of a better word would have to go police what Pepsi's doing because they had amp energy oh. so kind of a conflict of interest so I just had to go to the stores and make sure like our stuff was getting put out and stuff and uh Pedro and I just kind of hit it off and stuff, so him and I would go to the stores and fuck off, and <laughs> we just hang out. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. So, um, oh. 
started going to shows, coming to coming to the stab shows, and started getting into the punk music and stuff. And uh, uh, it's it's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Were you playing guitar before you met this guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. No, you're supposed to be like, no, I met him, and then. Yeah, no, yeah, he's my inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. What are you guys yeah. gonna go get into now? Um, probably gonna go Another find. Man. It. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm a nap king. Uh, yeah. Maybe comic books, comic book store. Yeah, we're going to go hit the comic book store. Um, that record store right up the street, Mutiny, it's got a small, t- tiny record selection, tiny comic book selection, but it's uh, owned by Jim, who owns, co-owns uh, Three Kings right here. So, nice. We're going to yeah, we'll go check that out right now. So, cool. And stuff. And the, Pinhead Circus, nobody's tonight. Yeah, Pinhead Circus, yeah. nobody's tonight. I hopefully we get in. My buddy uh, Rhino from Casper couldn't make the show he bought two tickets and then has to work this weekend so he was like do you want them and i was like yeah so he called the high dive and said i got i can't make the show but i want to get the tickets to my friends coming up from albuquerque and they were like well the only way you can do that is if you like give him a photocopy of your driver's license and a note saying you surrendered the tickets over to him so he sent me a picture of his driver's license and it took a picture of the note where he wrote out saying right. I give you. So I'm hoping it works. He, uh, yeah. That, you know, or else. You know, Scooter. Yeah, so like, I'm going to find, find JJ or Scooter and, and have those guys get us in. But I'm pretty excited to see them. It's going to be a fun show. Yeah, it's going to be a great show. Well, let's, uh, let's get out of here. Cool. Thank you for the interview. No, man. It's fun. I mean, you did all the talking. I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> Well, all right, buddies. Tim, thanks so much for hanging out and chatting with me. Uh, Pedro, thanks for hanging out as well. Sorry that we didn't reconnect again uh, at that show later on that night, Tim, but holy crap. Um, High Dive was out of control that night. I I think the place holds 150 people, and there's probably 250 people in there. Uh, Pinhead Circus was great. Nobody's were great. Partied way too hard with both of them, uh, especially partied way too hard with our new sponsor, Ratio Beer Works. Make sure you catch your grand opening February 14th in the Rhino District, Denver, 2920 Larimer. And uh, don't forget to come sample their wares at uh, the newest uh, first of these new episodes of Mostly Harmless Live uh, at Mutiny Information Exchange. We don't have the musical guest booked yet, but it's going to be Ian Douglas Terry, uh, one of my uh, one of the punk rock comedians, and my good buddy Zach Kinsella, who did the Koala Bear uh, logo for us once upon a time. They're going to be both on the show. And uh, musical guest to be... T- to be announced i think we've got that figured out it just hasn't uh, been 100 percent confirmed yet that's february 12th free beer free show good times great oldies mutiny information exchange uh death wish copy super thanks to them for keeping me caffeinated uh and then you know ratio beer works keeping me lubricated what a great plug buddies what a great plug uh brutal youth what a great band so we're gonna end this episode uh, with a track from uh, arguably Tim's probably most famous band, the Lillingtons. Uh, we talked about them a lot today. And, uh, again, they used to play on the uh, jukebox at the Triple Nickel Tavern when I worked there, and uh, this was probably the one that I played the most when I had the free credits code. Uh, it's called I Saw the Ape Man. Uh, but before we hit play on that, i got to remind you, com. Check it out. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. And uh, we're on Stitcher, TuneIn, and all those other places. So thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Buddies, this is uh, Lillington's I Saw the Ape Man. See you in the funny pages. <laughs>